Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Just Impolite podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. I am one of your hosts, David Claysbrook, and I am joined, as always, by the lovely Jennifer Ellen Parker. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, David. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So, you know what I forgot to talk to you about? What's that? Well, I was I was looking at a lot of other podcasts, and they just have continuous numbering of their episodes. Oh, they don't do seasons? They no. So, that some of them are on, like, episode 736. I think it's fine with the seasons. You like doing the seasons? Yeah. And then starting again with the numbers? Yeah. We'll just do it our own way. Yeah. Okay. Screw them. Screw them. Okay. You can. So uh, today's podcast is a very serious issue. Uh, We're going to talk about suicide today. Uh, Something that uh, we both have some experience with, but I think we're going to expand it a little bit more than just suicide. So self-sabotage, self-medication, along those lines, um, you have more uh, unfortunate experience with this than I do. So uh, why don't you kind of go into that? Yeah. Well, and I think too, in talking about this, like we had just briefly discussed that our goal is to, you know, take away some of the stigma of things that aren't generally talked about, like mental health, um, suicide, depression, things that people seem to struggle through, battle on in a very isolated way. And a lot of the times due to shame or fear of judgment or, um, I don't know, just, I think it's just, it's one of those last stigmas that still exists in our society and that we allow it to be bigger, bigger than maybe perhaps it really is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The two words you said there that, uh, caught my attention was uh, isolation yeah and shame uh everybody that i know that has you know fallen into this uh unfortunate uh, predicament is they usually felt very alone and they felt shame because of it mm-hmm. and because of those two things they didn't bring it forward to people that could help them and i think that's part of the reason we need to discuss it more because I think more people feel that way than let on. You know, what you just said is people don't, Ruby's here, but I think and, that's Harry. That's Harry scratching. We're in a new, we're in a new location. So it might sound a little, little tinny. More equity. Yeah. Um, you, you know what we didn't we didn't do any recap. Well, we're not, we're not, we're just, <laughs> You're just, like we're just, not talking about anything other than suicide. Well, we can we can do a recap later, but that's fine. So go okay. ahead, what are you saying? We're just jumping into the So you you just said that people don't share or reach out for help. But in in what I've experienced or what I've witnessed or even gone through, I think it's more so that suicide is not just like an option on a list. Yeah. It's, it comes from the perspective. There are no other options. There is no help coming. 
Well, there it's, is it's, no way to get up and out of this. It's, it's such a dark... I mean, I can't say I've been there. Maybe I have been. I, I don't know. But from what I understand of it, it's such a dark place, just as you said. They, there is no way out. There's nothing that can be done. And this is my only option. And this is the only thing that can make anything better. Over the years, so one of the things that's been really hard for me to hear is that when people will say, you know, um, that was just so selfish of them to take their own life. And, you know, the devastation that it causes for family members, survivors, or anyone that knows, I'm, I'm going to say victim is the victim. Um, yeah, it does, it does seem selfish, right? Like, why did they, why did they get to quit when I'm still struggling or I'm still working through my problems? Why did they get to take, what's root? Is that Ruby? Yeah, I think she's chewing on her nails. (laughs) Why did, why did they get to take the easy way out? And I think what, where I've landed with this is that, you know, people that, are in that position where they're in so much pain and they feel like they've let other people down, let themselves down. They feel like they just don't have any options that they almost look at to suicide as a solution to end the pain, not only for themselves, but I think more so for the people that they love, the people Mm -hmm. that they feel that they've disappointed. Now in a lucid state of mind, we're all like, what? Like how, how can you? That's a good point. How can that we're, be? We're we're think, well. I should you know we are thinking with a less clouded mind. I would think than the person that is committing that act, so that it does look different from us, right? Because yeah, oh, that's how like, can it not yeah, be different? It looks selfish. It looks uh, like you know, like you don't. We can't understand it because it is such a dark, cold, scary place that. Then, and you're only guessing, I'm assuming. Right. I, I can only imagine that, that to get to that level where you, this is the only way out. I mean, think of how defeating that is, that there is no other option other than take one's own life. So the reason that I kind of wanted to talk about this is because... I personally know how much pain it causes and I know the questions that it leaves behind in its wake. And I know that a lot of times people will um, take on responsibility for the act, even though it's obviously not them that has committed suicide. But, um, and then the other thing that happens is other people close to the victim will place blame seemingly Um, without any hesitation on whether they're other family members, friends, or associates of the victim. And this is something that I've had to, well, I guess struggle for a a long period of time um, because, you know, it was my, it was, I think we alluded to it. It was my father that took his own life when I was 22. Mm-hmm. But with that said, it was not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Like it was something 
from the age that I can remember, every single morning, I would wake up to my father saying, die, you son of a bitch. And he was talking about himself. And that was like his daily mantra that he would, he would say out loud to himself, regardless of who, who was home or who was listening. That's, that's the one thing that I remember my father saying the most. And there, and there are other things too. Like he openly talked about suicide through all of my childhood and my teenage years. Um, I remember, do you remember Dr. Kavorkin? Yeah. So he was a doctor that came out and spoke about assisted suicide in a way that it should be legalized. And I think he terminally ill or somebody, somebody that's in a lot of pain, they're not going to get better. And we need to make sure they're comfortable and, you know, they can go out on their own terms. Yeah. And I remember the Christmas that my sister asked my father what he wanted. And that was the book that he wanted because Dr. Kavorkin published a book about assisted suicide. And um, so to say that it was a surprise when it happened, none of us could actually say that. Like it was something that we'd been living with. And even in high school, he had purchased a handgun. We had gone back and forth about the red law bill and mm-hmm. how you're a supporter of arms. What is <laughs> free arms for well, all? I, guess, I, I don't know I what it's called. I, I'm a supporter of the second amendment, right? Sure. So mm-hmm. like, and I, and we joked about that. I was a co-sponsor of the red flag bill mm-hmm. and, you know, we kind of laughed it off. But for me, you know, I think guns, have two effects. They either elicit a feeling of fear or elicit a feeling of safety. So for my life and my experience, guns had always, there was always that underlying fear of that gun sitting in that safe in the mm-hmm. house with the way that my father spoke about himself and, and honestly how he spoke about other people. So it was always that yeah, uncertainty fear. and the fear that it provoked that um, it was almost like laying in wait. I didn't, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, not so much my personal story for doing this podcast. Like our, our goal all along was like people, people experience trauma. Some are affected differently, more, more are affected more. Oh, that just affected more than others, I guess. And have a harder time dealing with it. Suicide is kind of like that last that last affliction that still has that stigma. Like even I remember even today when people will ask me how my father passed away and it's, it's always, well, no, not an embarrassment for me, but I think I always hesitate because when you share that your parent committed suicide, it's more so the last thing that they ever expected to hear. Oh, yeah. And so it's more like an, a safety or guard on their feelings and their reaction. Cause then the, you, inevitably they always look at you with this blank look on their face and like, Oh shit. How did like, how do I respond? Cause we're not, no one's taught how to respond to this. There's no, how I do mean, you, in like, the military, uh, we do suicide prevention awareness training all the time. At least once a year they did it. We get a presentation and, you know, let's say the usual things like, you know, hey, you know, if you hear someone, you know, say something, uh, you know, talk to them uh, or, you know, try to get them help. Or if you notice somebody 
you know, giving away their possessions all of a sudden and start talking. But I don't know if it's o- that overt all the time, though. I mean, like, ob- like with your dad, it was a little more overt, obviously. But I mean, I, and I, I can't speak for the. It was, but we we never walked around saying, "Oh, dad's going to kill himself." Right. Like it wasn't. He did. It was in our faces, mm. but there were a lot of other things there too, like. Um, and I want to say this, like, you know, so my, my daughter's a smart cookie, mm-hmm. Anna, she's yeah. in her senior year at UBC. What is she studying? That's an early childhood education or something? No, she's not. Oh, she's not. <laughs> she, she was, she was studying linguistics. Oh, she was, but what is she studying? And then I, I don't even know what it's called. Like she changed. So linguistics is now a minor. Now she's doing environment geography something with geography and environmental studies no we don't know that yet. we don't know that yet okay. there's some consideration <laughs> but anyways even anna who had some high school psychology courses and then of course now is a senior at a really a really strong academic school she's she's so tuned in to suicide and that what it means genetically hmm. so there's supposedly in there's a genetic there's a little gene that if it's it's genetic and that if you have a predisposition for suicide because naturally we're programmed against killing ourselves did you know that yeah i imagine that's a program like you don't kill yourself so to be able to take your own life there's supposedly something within the gene that it can be passed on it's passed on Hmm. that there's a propensity for committing suicide so and especially if you're a parent or your grandparent so then it increases your probability so what happens like you were saying you didn't know if it was that overtly that someone's going to talk about killing themselves i think what happens is people that are people that are onto it and know a lot about suicide no one wants to be labeled with mental health issues right right, right. so that's a part of the shame thing well, and yeah, and then as people are dealing with this, they're also trying to go to high school, going to middle school, high school, college, jobs, jobs, relationships. having babies, like right. just trying to get through each day. So I think that more often than not, people try to, people that are having these thought, thoughts probably try to fly under the radars because we all know once that can of worm, worms is open, what happens? Like, mm. You get institutionalized, you get pulled out, right. I mean, I, and rightly so, maybe. Yeah, and I think that, look, I know, I've known, I want to say four people, um, two when I was much younger, so it's not like looking back on it, I know one of them uh, seemed very depressed. Now, looking at like it from adult eyes, looking at it, uh, it was my friend's mother, um, and then uh, as I've gotten older, there's been two and I know one did openly talk about it, uh, but um, they were getting help, supposedly. And then eventually they went, I guess they stopped getting help and then that happened. Um, so I, I kind of what you're saying. So I, I think that genetically it probably is a, a gene. There's some predisposition. I don't think it's that because I think, you know, Everybody can say at one point in their life, they have had a thought like, man, I just wish this could end. 
You know, like, like who hasn't had that thought? I don't, I don't think that's a suicidal no, thought. No, no, it's I think not. It, I don't think it is either. But I, I think it leads to that kind of what you were saying is, is, you know, some people take it to that next step. I think the, the fact that I would say, and this is just, you know, Dave's uninformed opinion, but most people probably had that thought, right? Okay, wait a minute. So a quick Google yes. search because you and I love Google. Yes, we do. And we know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we're just too smart asses that way. Yeah, we're just too smart asses that we know it all. But we know enough to not know anything. Yeah. Um, where is this from? Mount Sinai. Okay, okay. can we both agree? That's a good, one that's liberal a good one. and one conservative yeah, that yeah. this is a reputable yeah. organization. Yes. What you wanted to talk about politics tonight? No, I didn't. Well, <laughs> yes, I, you that's did. Um, so this just and this is a quick pull on Google, but it says in the largest genetic study of suicide attempts to date, researchers have identified a region of the genome on chromosome seven containing DNA variations that increase increase the risk that a person will attempt suicide. Hmm. So wonder why that's just that's fascinating to me in, in that sense like you know it's sad but I mean it's also fascinating in that that I guess it's been prevalent enough in our human history that it's actually changed the genome. So I just looked up I just typed why and I can't even pronounce these words so it's probably best that I not read these. <laughs> A bunch of Latin maladaptive words. cognitive processes. Yeah, yeah I, no, we're not going here. I mean, but it sounds like you know it's 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 powerful enough that it's changed the human genome. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it, it, to me, I mean, that's, that's how things change, right? So as we evolve and... Has it changed or has it always been there? Well, it, I don't know. If, we, if we're pre-programmed to not commit suicide, they're saying, I would say that would be a change. That's just, once again, my uninformed opinion. But that's how powerful it, it is that it actually changed the chemistry in our body. The makeup of what we're made of is changed that. But it, or is it a, simply a genetic trait, like a recessive or dominant Maybe. gene that you have blue eyes, I have brown eyes. Yeah, I have blue eyes. It's just, I don't have no idea. I've not gotten. <laughs> Amy used to, I used to joke with her all the time, saying, I have blue eyes. She just, you don't have blue eyes. What color are your eyes? I don't know. She said brown or hazel. You don't have brown eyes. No, I don't think so either. Well, um, she, had, she had like sky blue eyes so i i just this was there. part of episode seven that got erased oh was it yeah why the studio was painted blue yeah well no the, the, the mural that she has in the studio is blue oh no the, that was her favorite color blue is her favorite color. your studio is painted blue too though it's no it's not it's like that yes entryway is is blue the rest is like that aqua blue green oh aqua blue is that what it is i don't know it's definitely it's definitely blue you walk in and then you're like oh this is a blue studio no well the entryway is blue the rest of it's not are you colorblind Uh, maybe the mural that's on the wall there is blue a shade of blue yes i'll give you that that's blue that is blue blue what so you what color do you think your walls are? It's like an aqua green blue thing, right? Oh my gosh. It's, right, well, I don't no, really it's not blue, but it's aqua yeah. blue. <laughs> this is like, it, this is my well, daily struggle. I don't know. It's a different color. It's not blue. It's not like, like we're sitting in a room. Like, that's a blue wall. 
That's a motorcycle going by. Yes, but that's a blue wall right there. It's not sure. Oh, I missed that. Is that making you angry? <laughs> close, quick, close the door. <laughs> this scary. The scary thing is, is that if you have the dogs and you're alone with them, yeah. when someone actually comes to the house, they don't bark. All right, that's enough. I think people have missed Gary and Ruby. Yeah, I'm sure they have. That's enough. That's enough. Come lay down. Thank you. I'm sure the murderer has been scared away. Yes. Ruby. Ruby. I think, you know what? So we... Wherever you want to go with this talk, talk well, about I, suicide, I, we can do. But one of the reasons I think it's important is I'm finding that when I write about um, tough topics in my in my column, that Harry's <laughs> 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 opinion on it on, on, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're um, notorious. I, I, well, what I was so like I, I'm looking at it from a perspective of so when Amy was sick, um, I mean she did not commit suicide, but she definitely stopped caring for herself, and she was so um, she was taken defeated. over by the disease that it, there was nothing else, and the thing that I kind of want to, you know, how do you check on people? How do you, because, you know, when you, you know, the person that does commit suicide or self-sabotages themselves enough that they're no longer healthy and they can die from it because it's that isolation and shame. And, well, what about addicts? Like, well, that's what I'm talking about is, is people want to help addicts or right. But how do so it's hidden, usually. I, I would say so. so not I'm, always. Well, not always, but I, I, I don't think, like, I can't walk around the street and say, that person wants to commit suicide. Or, no, or, you or, shouldn't. You wouldn't be no. able to because, but I think people that live. So I'm going to, like, so what I'm saying is. Don't, is didn't you, when Amy was, and this is, this is, I always feel like I'm on slippery slope because I didn't know Amy, but I know you, like, but. When she, did you notice she was deteriorating or did you notice she well, I, was? I didn't know something was wrong. Yeah. Because I kept saying, you need to go see a doctor because she was losing weight. But uh, were there other signs? Like, was she withdrawn or? No, she wasn't. Listening. She was, I mean, she, we didn't go. Well, it was during the pandemic too. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't like we were social, but she talked on the phone all the time. Yeah. So she was talking to people. It wasn't like she was isolated. Um. But I, I think at the same time, so kind of like to what you said at the beginning of those two buzzwords, and I thought, you know, the isolation and shame. So it, from what I know, in my experience, most people, it's not out there. It's not there to for everyone to see. Maybe some of the closest people they know yeah. will see it. But so, you know, I teach yoga. So... You know, a, a lot of people come to yoga for the mental help, if you will, if you will, the breathing, the calming, the the, the quieting of the mind, uh, to try to clear themselves. And so, 
I know we get people in the studio that are struggling and that's okay. That's, that's, you know, that's what it's there for. It's, it should help. But when do like someone like me, so there's some people at the studio I'm closer with. And if I notice something that's off of them, what do I say? Like, do I say, are you okay? Is it just simple as that? Because, you know, just about when you see any person, Hey, how you doing? And what does everybody say? I'm good. Or I'm fine. Well, I think most people, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a reactionary comment. So it's, how do you do interject? Do you, do you or think, do you, interject? do you think you have the power as an individual or anyone has the power as an individual to prevent someone else's suicide? And that's, that's the lifelong struggle we all live with. For those of us who have someone near to us that has committed suicide, is there was a family member that, oh God, I was 22. I was the youngest child of five. Um, and there's 15, age, 15 years between myself and the oldest. My dad's brother, oh my God, is he still alive? What, how far does this podcast reach? Mm. My dad would be 90. No, my dad was born in 29. How old would he be? So it'd be... 93. 93. So... 492. His brother, I'm going to guess my uncle's not still alive. Yeah. But his brother chose me to blame my dad's suicide on Mm. and picked up the the phone and called me um, without having seen any of us for years. Like my dad wasn't close with his family. So he needed to lash out. So he was trying to self-soothe and make himself feel better. Probably not seeing his brother for... Well, who knows? Like when when my dad took his own life, um, a lot of of strange things go through your head. Or went through... You know what? I can only speak for myself. Well, no, I I would agree A lot of strange things went through my head. I, I know when, you know, Amy was in the hospital uh, and even after I questioned, you know, what I did or did not do to help her. And, you know, should I have noticed this earlier? Was it my fault? Uh, what could I have done? But, and it's, you know, and I, I still deal with that. You know, I mean, even though I've talked to enough people, I, I've done enough research that I feel like, no, it wasn't my fault. But there's still part of me that feels like I and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the type of person I am, but I could have saved her. Well, relationships take two people. Right. And what's the thing that the teachers at Chesterfield School used to say it on the, on the playground? They used to say it takes two to tango. <laughs> like if there was ever a score rush or a disagreement yeah, right, yeah. or something, they would always say it takes two to tango. So but with that said, can each of us own the responsibility of someone else's suicide ever you know i don't i'm gonna say no i don't want to say no no i i don't think anybody i I think it it is on the person that commits the act i i will say that i i think that other people can make a difference yes bingo so like um mit did this study on foster children how is it that some foster children go up through the system and a very few are able to successfully complete high school and then go on to secondary school, not secondary, but 
yeah, college, or college, whatever. and then graduate, and then actually become fully functioning part of society, while other kids end up abusing, impoverished, um, you know, break, carcinated, or you know, the worst of the worst, struggling in life. And the study on resiliency came up with that the children that had at least one positive point of contact a day. Mm seem to be able to build a higher level of resiliency. So like that could be the way that they explained it to us is that that could be just like one teacher every day, just making sure like they looked the child in the eye and just said, Hey, how are you? Right. And it didn't have to be anything more than that, but it's that, it's that point of contact to say, Hey, you matter. Right. I care about you. That, Maybe, you know, what we were saying about isolation, maybe that's building a bridge. I, I agree with that. I think that, it, not that it's going to save somebody, because it may not, but I think that, you know, that saying, you know, uh, always be kind because you don't know what the battle of other people are you know, having at uh, that moment, that day, that lifetime. And I think that's true to a certain respect. That doesn't mean you, you don't, you drop your boundaries. But I think that, being conscious that to be kind to people in general is a which is not always easy. No, it's not always easy. Um, sometimes, you know, especially if the person is lashing out or not precipitative, uh, you know, it can be hard. Um, I think, you know, with the pandemic, uh, I, I really wonder when they start doing these longer term studies of the full impact of the pandemic and how it isolated people, uh, how it, um, it, it's the, the impact it's going to have or had and will continue to have on mental health, uh, going forward in the next, you know, 15 to 20 years, I think it's going to be, it's going to be disheartening. But again, I mean, so, but I think, you know, suicide happens regardless. Right. No, I'm not saying, but what I, what I think is what I'm trying to get at. My point is, is that that simple human interaction of being kind or caring for another without expectation for stuff in return can go a long way. I mean, because you may not know if, you know, I'm not saying it's going to solve their problem, but I think it might bring a glimmer of hope for at least in that moment, you know, uh, I it sounds, so. it sounds good. Well, it sounds well, it's a little bit Pollyanna. Well, yeah, but I, I, I do think there's something to it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, I'm not saying it's going to help everybody. I mean, it, it, some people, they might just be, their mindset is that way and that's it. But some people's mindset is not that way. Do you know what one of the things, so when we, I think I, t- I said on one of the podcasts, when I found out that my father had passed and I took the phone call from my brother mm-hmm. and my first reaction was laughter. <clears throat> that was, it was like a release mm. that like, I don't know what it was, but I can, I can remember vividly just laughing mm. when I heard the news, which, which sounds horrible. Right. But maybe it was a release because it sounds like he had that mindset. 
Like this is he didn't no. you know well I mean well there was a lot going on oh I'm sure there was but let me say if the guy if the guy is waking up every morning and saying just but die. I didn't laugh I wasn't I don't I wasn't laughing because I thought it was funny he no, was dead no that's not I don't want to that's give that saying, impression it was probably more of a release I think well we're we're talking about PTSD and trauma right so remember like being abused as a little girl like yeah. I don't. I didn't have a healthy barometer of emotions or boundaries or mm. a knowing of what was. What was appropriate or I'm not to, like, I don't know. what does appropriate mean? Like yeah. didn't know what was okay and what wasn't mm. or, you know, the stuff that had happened to me that happening so young just set me up to feel like I deserved everything I got. Mm. Like that was my role, yeah. like bring it on. Cause that's, yeah. that's what happens to me. So I think what I want, I, I want to talk about this, not with any solutions because, no, because is. just like everything else, each, even if, you know, you had someone close to you commit suicide and I had someone close to me commit suicide the extenuating circumstances could be so inherently different from each other. Oh, I completely agree. It's not like a cookie yeah. mold. No, it's not. And that's, that's what I mean is I think that being kind, I mean, it's not going to solve it. it, but it can't hurt it either. I think even, but I think more than that, my, my goal for doing this is just to give it space mm -hmm. in, it. it's, in it's, our conversations, in, you know, people say, well, I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't. But like what you and I have talked about is if someone's in pain, what's wrong with just listening? Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at is, is that like, you know, what does one do if, like, you know, I, I go through those trainings that, you know, I work for the government. So we have the, the year. But I'm not even so. saying to prevent. Or, no, I'm not trying to prevent. I'm saying it, once the act has happened. Oh, well, the act has happened. That's a, I mean. So I'm, I'm just saying like, so my daughter, she says she, she just, she has this heightened sense of awareness that, okay, her grandfather committed suicide. So therefore the probability is that her mom and even herself or her siblings would, could prevent, could not prevent, could commit, commit suicide are heightened she, I can feel it with her, no matter how many times I try to soothe her. Like if there's anything that I'm going through in life that is, is a struggle, I can feel her watching over me mm. like that protective eye, like just, just trying to get a sense of where I am. She's like no matter hyper, hyper aware. Too. She's hyper aware, no matter how much or how I try to let her know that, Hey, look, I've got this. I'm okay. Am I sad? Yes. Am I even depressed? Yes. Um, but well, she, and not to say that I've never had those thoughts because right. that wouldn't be being honest, you know? And I think because I am so honest, with my children and maybe have shared things that probably were going too far. Um, she, I think in a way I somehow did a disservice to her because I feel like her taking on responsibility sometimes, even though she's 3000 miles away and 
that that that's painful as a mother to say, oh God, did I f up? That was a big f up. Oh. <laughs> no, well, it, all, it, all parents screw up. I mean, it's, no, it's but that's a major that's a major misstep. But then again, when your kids are so aware of you, like if you think you're putting one over them. No, I always, no. I always, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things I, I used to, I always get annoyed when people treat children like adorable idiots. Ado- what did you say? Adorable idiots? Adorable idiots. Like, they're smart. They've got it figured out. Yeah, they got it. I mean, it might be a, a simpler view of it, but they got to figure it out. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the baby that cries and, you know, figures out, like, well, every time I cry, they come in here and they feed me. Or That's they, kind of they, like Ruby. Yeah, Ruby yeah. barks till yeah, I'll give Ruby, her a treat, or right, exactly until you do that. Ruby has trained me well. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, you know, and as far as like the aftermath, I mean, the aftermath is a lot. A lot. I mean, and I, it I, lasts I went, a very long time. I went to a funeral last year for a, a person and a friend that committed suicide, and it was, you know, even though this person was talked about it before people knew it was a risk it was still devastating absolutely devastating to them absolutely and uh you know i don't know the inner workings of their family obviously but you know i could you know going to the the service i could see that someone couldn't speak you know and i i don't it, it's a horrible thought that, you know, and I, I, like I said, I've dealt with it and it was a different situation, but that guilt or it felt like you could have done more or that, you know, somehow you're responsible. Mm. And uh, the ripples. And there's no answers then because well, the, the no. person that could give you the answers is gone. Right. The, the ripples are, the ripples are tough. Um, and I think, that and that's that's where I was going with this podcast is that you know in all all things mental health and well-being or emotional or good or bad like heightened emotion like we've never been really allowed to talk about it no. and to work through it and you know instead we have labels like manic yeah too sensitive yeah too sensitive I I, I... or yeah, or you're so withdrawn, or you're you're uncaring, or um, things you know. And I, and like something like I, I kind of want to get out of this podcast. This this discussion is you know, to what you were saying, normalize it. Well, maybe not normalize it, but bring it out, and give it some sunlight, mm-hmm. and that you know that we have to. I think sometimes I think we get caught up in thinking the problem is too big. So suicide as a whole is a problem in human like homelessness, yeah, like, like poverty, po- poverty, like and you know, can can Dave go fix suicide? No. No. Never. Never. Uh, can Dave see somebody that I think is struggling? And just ask if they're okay in a sincere way. Yes, I can do that. And make it meaningful and heartfelt 
And if the person does not accept that or brushes it off or whatever, not much else I can do besides maybe ask them again when I see them again and continually show up for that. Mm-hmm. That's about all we do. And I, I think that... That's your theme song. That what? Showing up stuff? When you say all I can do is show up. All I can do is... It's true. I mean, I... I and you say this a lot, you know, I can't control what other people do. And so all I can do is control my own actions. And if I continue to show up, is it going to help everybody? No. Uh, will it help most of the people? Probably not. Will it help maybe one? I'll take that. So what, what do you mean help? Help maybe just, you know, so once again, I have not, I'm not going to say I've ever been there, so I'm not going to, but, so I'm assuming a lot on this, but, you know, if, if a person is in that dark place, maybe I bought them one more day. And if I bought them one more day, maybe in that one more day, I, myself or somebody else gave them one more day and maybe eventually it becomes two days and three and, and so on and so forth. That's all we can do. I can't, we can't, so we, we talk about subjects and I, I see this, you know, with the news or news articles, like we seem to kind of like, like this is a global problem. Like I understand that and it not, not trying to minimize things or anything like that, but I can't fix that. All I can do is what I, I live in South Berwick. I, I work in Kittery. I have a business in New York. What can I do and what can't I do? So I have to be realistic with myself about what I can do. And what is your circle of influence? Right. That's a good, that's a really good way of putting it. So what can I do to help? And honestly, I don't like, like I said, I, I know four people that have done this. And it's really with the last one that I knew there was a problem. I heard of it before. So I was just always just kind. And it still happened. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say there is nothing I could have done. No, I don't think there was. And, and this is going to sound a bit like a vicious canid, but this is the tricky part. When you, when you just said buying person one more day, like my, if you talk about, okay, my dad was in pain. He had some, I'm guessing he had some trauma in his childhood or early years, but he was in, uh, he was a very angry, unsafe human being. And I'm not saying that he should have committed suicide. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. The part that I have to work through is that the guilt that I have comes from the relief that he did commit suicide. Right. Because it ended a lot of my own personal suffering. Mm-hmm. That to me, so from my my perspective on right. suicide, my narrow perspective is going to be a lot different than a lot of people's. Right. Right. Like, you know, so that that I'm relieved that my father took his own life sounds like a horrible monster. My my worry and my anxiety and stress about suicide is more so what happens in the aftermath of it. Mm-hmm. Are my children 
more susceptible to taking their own life? Am I more susceptible? Mm-hmm. That to me is another another ripple that And can you prevent it? Well, I think, well, that's why, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. That's one of the reasons I write every day. That is one of the reasons I, I haven't been doing yoga every day, but like (laughs) I I did do it this morning. That like, people will say to me, you're like an open book. Like, why, why aren't you just happy with small talk? And I think that you know, I, I'm fighting, I'm not saying I'm suicidal. Don't, no. don't think that I am, but I'm fighting the fight for mental stability and well-being. Right. And well, that's, you have a really good self-awareness to that. And like you said, that's why you write. That's why you do this podcast. That's why you do some of the other things you do in your life, because I think You've seen the errors of others. I, I've experienced them. I've felt them. And I've made a lot of my own errors. Of course. You know, and like when I was going to counseling in my mid-20s and when I got diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and when she finally called out the abuse. You know, she looked at me and she's like, you're way too hard on yourself. She goes, you only have one job. And I said, what? And I, I'm really task-oriented and goal-oriented. So I was, like, really excited about that. Like, <laughs> tell me my job. What's my job? So I can, like, like, push through it and then check it off my list. And she goes, your, your job, your only job as Jen, whoever I was at the time, she goes, is to break the cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. That's your only job. And you've done that. Have I? Like, well, I think, I, well, I think so far so good, right? I, yeah, I don't. Have I ever abused someone in the way of like not saying the right thing at the right no. time? Yes. Yeah. Not being the best version of myself in difficult situations. I'm sure I have done that to my own children. Yeah, well, no one's perfect. I mean, I, I think that you probably are too hard on yourself. I think most people are probably too hard on themselves. Um, they criticize themselves. They don't talk nice to themselves most of the time. Negatives? Okay. so I, I do that. I, I am so happy that you brought that up because negative self-talk is so toxic. And it's my dad used to do his, like I said at right. the beginning of this episode. He would verbalize it out loud, like his little negative mantras about himself. Like, and they were pretty harsh. And so I grew up hearing these things over and over and over. And, you know, even when I was um, going through counseling and she was leading me through all of these different activities and everything, I realized that every day of my life, I was looking in the mirror and saying, why are you so ugly? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I don't wear makeup. I don't do any of that. And I think it's a couple things just to like, I always wanted to hide as a child, number one, because I didn't want male attention, but like it perpetuated this belief that I'm not as good as other people. I am. I'm ugly. I'm not worthy. I'm not this and that. And like, if you have those mantras playing in your head every day, 
that's a pretty tough hill to climb to even yeah, just to get, get dressed, get ready, get out oh. of the house. And then when people greet you at school or work, to be able to smile back or right. when if they well, ask you, how are you? Yeah, so you even have, so like to that point, you just kind of you know, go out, get out of the hill or dig out of the hole. So where if, you know, most people, if you, if you have us on a scale of like, you know, one to 10 of how you feel that day. And most people start off at a five. I'm just, you know, throwing numbers out there. But if you're talking negative to yourself, and you're already starting off at one or two. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe you start working on it and you start talking better to yourself. So now you're getting up to three or four. But if a negative interaction happens at you know, work, school, family, fill in the blank, it's going to knock you down a peg mm-hmm. where, you know, where if I started at a five and I'm now up to an eight because I'm having a good day and then I have a negative interaction and it knocks me down to a six. Well, if you're already there it's knocking down you know from a five to a three or two and that can be it's it's a constant fight mm-hmm. and it's a hard it's exhausting it's exhausting it's got, I mean, it's, it's got to be completely exhausting so and maybe that's where you know some people say i, I don't want to live like this anymore i mean i can i can is it empathize we need to talk about this before is it empathize sympathize and empathize, empathize. yeah but, the difference between the two, right? So, but I mean, that's that's how I view it, and I, I think that you know, you're only going to hear about the people that didn't make it. You might not always hear about the person who helped. Well, um, so literally, you know, giving that. You had, it, you, I you, think you you had, you had an interaction like. Just if you don't mind me telling this, so you had an interaction. Wait, where did it happen? At the store today. No, it was uh, the other day. This person hit the the building. Oh Jesus! And this person had opened up to you a little bit because they've been having a particularly tough couple of years. So you just gave them a hug. Are you gonna talk about what happened after the hug? <laughs> no, 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 that's no. too identifying. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean you know, and, but you know, I think that's. During COVID, I reached in the car and gave the stranger a hug. But I mean, that's that's just what it is, is that I think that to that point I was talking before where we're all fighting our own battles and we don't know where anybody is that day. And if the person is, like I said, I think most people are very self-critical of themselves, some more than others. Some people are very critical of others. Yeah, some people are just critical of others. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I know that's something I've been working on for a while. I think I've gotten much better at it, uh, of talking negative to myself. I even try to put like, you know, I was reading uh, something the other day. Oh, no, not the other day. It was a little while ago now. It was like, you know, instead of saying you have to go to work, saying I get to go to work. You know, it doesn't sound like a big difference, but it's, it's a different perspective. There was, I just Googled her name to make sure I said it right, but there was this woman I found and she says, I think she's the number one psychologist in England. I don't know if she claimed that title, but she has this whole lecture series on, um, it's like, I am worthy. Mm -hmm. And I am are the two most powerful words in Mm -hmm. all languages. I am the word spoken by God in the Bible. Mm. But like for for some individuals, just being able to say I am worthy is one of the most difficult things. Oh, and they're not right. even able to 
to do it. And I think it's, you know, our own society perpetuates that. Uh, God forbid you go on social media and it just looks like everybody's got everything, all their shit together or uh, that they're, you know, all living because, well, social media is what? It's the best of your life, right? It's not going to be the worst of it. Um, So, you know, and you could even perpetuate it further where like, well, everybody else is doing fine. Even if you know, like, I think most people understand that social media is not reality. But if you're bombarded with those pictures constantly, some part of your mind's going to believe it. Or even in your communities. I remember yeah. being a new mom and like Aaron acting out and me assuming all around responsibility as if somehow him having fits is the first time it's ever happened yeah, to I mean, a young yeah. child in their twos or threes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like somehow I'm the worst parent in the world and I would react in hives and like, just be very tight and conscious of who's looking and what they may be thinking, you know? Um, It's almost an hour, but was that a silly episode? No, I think it was silly. No, I wasn't silly. I don't think it was silly at all. You're very kind to me on this episode. I am very, I'm a very kind individual. No, you're not always <laughs> kind. You're not always kind. What are you talking about? I'm always kind. Well, oh, I think we no. should eventually do an episode on when to be kind and when not to be. On boundaries and stuff. Well, that would be called Davisms. Davisms. We should do it. We should do We're going to do Davisms. On Davisms. Uh-huh. So I like that idea. Well, so I... I feel like, well, of course you do. Are you worthy? I am definitely worthy. Um, I can lift Thor's hammer. I met, so I want to tell this cute story yeah. because you have your yoga studio. I have the store. Yeah. Um, this was a while back. I can't even remember what month, but this tall gentleman came to the counter at the store and... Um, He's probably listening to this or will be listening to this, but he introduced himself as being your yoga student and oh, yeah. someone that avidly listens to the podcast. Yes, I and that. it was just, it was such a strange moment, but, um, and I, and then to make it even more strange, I started doing some of your yoga classes on a more regular basis and I ended up on the mat next to him or yeah, two right. mats away. Yeah. Two minutes away. And so you introduce us in front of the whole class, of course. (laughs) And I'm just like, but um, why was I bringing that up? I have no idea. Oh, because, well, so we, the last podcast was when in May? Mm -hmm. My, like my own podcast that I did was in May. And oh, we did one more after that. We did the energy one. Mm -hmm. The one that you were raised first and then we had to go back. Well, you were so angry with me through the whole podcast. Mm -hmm. You're a little passive aggressive. It was kind of funny. And then, but so, you know, it was, it, for me, it was a tough step. Well, I don't want it to sound like life is always so tough for me because I'm very blessed and I have a lot of amazing things happening at the same time. But I did end up finally selling the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been closed. So I'm free of that. Um, and I'm working full time at the store and have not been working in the restaurant since June. So this is like the first time in my life in more than 10 years that I have every night free. Like, and I'm not working or going a thousand different directions. 
How's that feel? I, you know what's so funny? It's sometimes it feels like I'm more tired. <laughs> like I like I close the store at five and I get home and I'm like, oh, that couch looks really good. Well, maybe your body's, you know, it's. I think sometimes you know our mind and our bodies. Well, if I have to go, I have to go. I have to work. I have to work. Uh, it's a discipline. It's a motivation thing. But if you don't, and you've been working like that forever, sometimes the body's like, okay, this is my chance to rest. Yeah, I was pulling 10 to 12, 14 hour days, six, six days a week for, for a very long time. Like, because if it wasn't two jobs, it was a job and then being, you know, in the house of representatives and Mm -hmm. a lot of, it was always multiple things like that going on, usually two jobs though, and then balancing the kids. So this summer for me, when you announced that we were going to hold off on the podcast because summer was so busy, I was like, Oh God, like true. But like now I'm heading into the busy season for the store Mm -hmm. where it's going to get a little crazy, but you're, you came off a crazy summer with, I don't even know how you did some of the things you did this summer. It was very busy, very, very busy, which I'm I'm glad we did because I didn't have time. Uh, from the paddle boarding to this teaching to the outdoor classes to because we added really three outdoor classes several times a week with the and then, then adding the to the paddle board. But even with a small business, I think people forget that even even though you might not be at those classes because you have a full time job during the week mm-hmm. that you then leave to either teach or support classes, mm-hmm. so you have that going on. But then on top of that, you have the management of the facilities, the bookkeeping, you oversee the marketing, mm-hmm. you banking, mm-hmm. all of that. Well, so, I, mean, I, mean, like I, usually, I don't teach Tuesdays and Fridays, but I plan Tuesdays and Fridays to usually, you know, newsletter, deposit checks, payroll, uh, whatever else needs to get done. Mm-hmm. I'm opening a new spot for the, the business right next door uh, to get that ready. Uh, those kinds of things. And then, then I ended up, well, I didn't have Harry a lot, but I did. Harry made some special appearances in the store this summer. Yes, he, did. he actually, he had one request. Remember the family <laughs> that um, they asked me if they could kind of rent him because they used to always have dogs before they had children. And they want the kids to get used to a dog, but they yeah, want the dog to be. Yeah, their, their children are a little wary of dogs. And then. Harry's a good dog for that because he's. The son he, met Harry. Yeah, he'd rather take a nap than probably run around. He does. He wants. He, okay, my dog is not perfect by any means. Ruby is a ferocious barker. Well, Harry like, is too, but he whines constantly. Harry does whine. Oh, and I'm God. like, almost like if Ruby's hanging out with him, I'm like, Ruby, don't. I don't want you to pick up that tree. Oh, 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 okay. Easy, easy. I'm cute. What happened? I don't know. I think she was dreaming. Oh, that's okay. That scared me. Both shut up. scary. Yeah. They're like, stop talking about us. Yeah. Okay. That's enough. Oh my gosh. So we're on our second season when originally we said we'd do a podcast every week. Yeah. Well, we'll try to. Really? You want to try to do that? We'll try to do it. We'll see how it goes. I mean, if we can't, we can't. If we can, we will. Just we'll have to, we got to make sure we have a subject at least a couple days beforehand or at least a baseline. Mm -hmm. 
So next one is. No, what are you talking about? You like asked me a thousand times well, what no, we were going to do this episode. Well, no, I didn't. I kept saying the same thing, and then you kept asking again. Okay, all right. That's how you remember. No, but I was like, does he Select, not want to do that? Selective memory. Tell, so tell next, me how the, the next podcast is going to be anger management. Yes, I'm so excited for this. Like people that were looking for forward to gender roles i am so looking forward to <laughs> anger management and even like I'll, I'll, I'll you'll teach, be the i'll teach everybody to repress the anger into a, a hard little ball in the body release it at the right time you said <laughs> i don't can i say this sure. yeah of course you there was something you told me that you take medication for something <laughs> and i go what what do you take that for? And you go, so I don't kill people. <laughs> but like, I'm like, oh my God, who am I like connecting myself to that? Like, right. Because some of the shit you say to me, I'm like, I don't know about this. No, like I know enough that if someone says something like that, there's some thread of truth. There's like <laughs> some, There's something in it that somewhere, even in the tiniest thread is true. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 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 Maybe we'll talk about how to bury a body properly. Someone asked. Um, <laughs> actually, stop. That is the worst thing. Someone asked. You said that in your yoga class. <laughs> <laughs> You're teaching yoga, talking about burying dead bodies. Oh my gosh! And then there's the issue that Dave and I compete in his yoga classes. We don't compete. Yes, we do. No, there's no competition. We're not on repetitions here, but now I haven't been doing it for a while, so I won't go to your class. <laughs> but we, someone came to me and they wanted us to do our first episode, which we've already blown it. They wanted us to do it on the upcoming election well, season. We'll, maybe the third one. We'll do it on that one. It gets a little closer. Because I've I've moved the dial on Dave's political affiliation a little bit. No, you haven't. <laughs> yes, I have. We had a great discussion at dinner. Yes, we did. About health and human services type stuff. Mm -hmm. What did you call it? What faction? What fraction of the the budget? The it's the the biggest part of the for. But you had a great word for um. Shoot. Uh, It was uh, entitlements. I hate that word, but But yes. Well, I mean, the graph we were looking at. Did it list it as entitlements? No, but it, I mean, it is. I mean, there. So you but, know that's like. But it did include Social Security, which is not an entitlement. We pay for that. I paid money into. Who, whose word is entitlement? Do you think that's a party word? Or do you no, think... it's an entitlement. It's, uh, I mean, if you go, if you're a strict constitutionalist, the federal government only has two jobs. You know what they are. But is this describing what where do entitlement you, do, came from? Do you know what the two jobs of the federal government are? To govern women's bodies. No, and that is definitely not one of them. It seems to be. Yeah, I know. But it's definitely not one of them. Do you know? I don't know anything. So the only two jobs the federal government must do is raise a navy and build a post office with a road. I know. And you know what? Here's the thing about that. Things changed with time. A little bit. A little bit. Let's talk about our Navy. So we can talk about the Navy. I'll gladly talk about the Navy. Oh my goodness. Well, so anyways, so um 
So we'll 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 do the podcast. Uh, our next podcast will be on anger management, and uh, I'll give you all my soothing techniques. <laughs> I I wanted I just want to say thank you to everyone that reaches out to me on the column just love and just their words or comments or questions or ideas. Yeah, it means yeah, a lot. We, we do, yeah, yeah, we definitely want the comments and the ideas and uh, for discussions or anything or any kind of feedback. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, so keep those comments and uh, feedback coming. Uh, the next podcast will be uh, anger management. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to be an interesting one. Um, and then, uh, if you would like to visit Jen at any point, you can find her at uh, a little something in South Berwick, Maine. And if you would like to take a yoga class with me, you can find me at Yoga on North in York, Maine. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and until next time.